Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this long weekend. It's delighted to see you here this morning. Last Sunday afternoon, I had the opportunity to watch the last few holes of the final round of the BMW Golf Championship. Dustin Johnson and John Ram were who are ranked number one and two in the uh, golfer's world right now, were locked in an epic battle. It all ended on the first sudden death playoff hole when John Ram sunk a 66-foot double-breaking putt to win the championship. It was a crazy finish. But before that dramatic ending, there was another highlight of the day for a young Canadian golfer by the name of Mackenzie Hughes. Mackenzie grew up in Hamilton, Ontario. He's 29 years old, and he turned pro back in 2013. At the end of the BMW Championship, only the top 30 money earners for the season move on to the Tour Championship, which is this weekend. And that's a big deal. And so Mackenzie Hughes arrived on the 18th hole, the 18th green of the final hole of the championship, and was looking at a five-foot putt to advance to the Tour Championship. If he makes the putt, he advances. If he misses it, he'd be heading home, ranked number 31st in money earning for the season. But he made the putt. And TSN reports the results. Hughes will play in the lucrative season finale next week just outside of Atlanta, that's this weekend, where the last, the last place finishing prize is $400,000. The winner takes home $15 million. But there's more. By make, making it to the Tour Championship, Hughes earns spots on all four majors, the Players' Championship, as well as the Century Tournament of Champions. Doesn't have to qualify. That five-foot putt, TSN says, could be career-changing. So according to TSN, all the benefits that come as a result of making that putt could be career-changing for Mackenzie Hughes. Now, you and I will probably, I don't imagine, ever stand over a career-changing five-foot putt. But we have been invited to pray a simple prayer that will, not could, but will be a life-changing experience for all eternity, both now and forever. The central message of the Bible consists of both good news and bad news. The bad news is that we have all sinned. Romans 3.23 states that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, which means that we've fallen short of that standard of perfection 
that God requires for a relationship with him. Some have fallen shorter than others, but it doesn't matter. Short is short. And Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. I got paid this week. The wages that I earned were deposited directly into our account. It is a direct deposit. Our sins earn us death. It too is a direct deposit. All of us, without exception, have earned death. And that's the bad news. The good news is that Christ died for us so that we can be saved through faith. And there is no way we could come to God. So he came to us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 tells it this way. God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It is as if you were diagnosed with terminal cancer. And I came to you and said, I'm going to take your cancer in my body and die so that you can live. Jesus took our sin and died in our place. And Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So a person is saved when they by faith confess with their mouth. In other words, pray a prayer something like this. Father, I admit that I have sinned. Please forgive me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sin. Help me to begin to live my life in a way that will please you. And not just for myself or for what I think is in the best interest of me and my family. Please, thank you, help. It's a simple prayer. Following the service this morning, we'll make our way out of the worship center and into the parking lot and probably chit-chat for a little while. But eventually, you will entrust yourself to a car that will take you home. With that simple prayer, we are by faith trusting ourselves to Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. In other words, trusting him to take us safely home to God. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Now many of you, I suppose, have already prayed that prayer. You are saved. You've experienced God's salvation. But for those who have not, and you know in your heart whether you have or not, for those who have not, let me ask you, what is keeping you from praying that simple prayer?
That prayer may not be career-changing, but it is life-changing. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 reads, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This morning, we are going to be looking at a passage of Scripture that describes some of those new things that have come as a result of being saved. Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Last week we were introduced to this letter from Paul to the saints, the city of Ephesus. The theme of our series of messages is both spiritually minded and earthly good. This morning, we're going to be focusing on verses 3 through 14. And I should point out that these verses, these 12 verses between verse 3 to 14, in the original language are all one sentence. It's the longest sentence in the entire New Testament, consisting of 202 words. And there's nothing even close to second place. The next longest sentence in the New Testament, is 44 words. So this is an exceptional expression that we're looking at this morning. You know, after Mackenzie Hughes retrieved that golf ball from the cup in which he had sunk that putt, he raised his hands, closed his eyes, and looked heavenward in relief. Interesting. Following his very brief introduction, the Apostle Paul wrote these words. And we might picture him raising his hands and looking towards heaven. Please stand with me if you're able. I'll begin reading at verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, 
after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. This is God's word to us today. You may be seated, please. Let's pray together. Father, the psalmist declares you to be a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds his, in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The seas belong to him, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. If only you would listen to his voice today. Father, may we have ears that hear that are attuned to your voice, minds that are open and teachable, discerning and moldable, hearts that are inviting and receptive. May we not be quick to forget to... Dis- to dis- May we not be quick to forget or to dismiss your word to us this morning. May we ponder them determined to respond appropriately in ways that please you and benefit others as well as ourselves. We ask these things to come to reality in our lives by the power of your spirit and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord. Psalm 103, verse 1. My question is, why? Why should you and I bless the Lord with all our souls? Look at verse 3 again. In Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You may want to take your pen or highlighter and underline or circle or highlight the three different forms in which that word blessed is presented in this opening verse, in verse 3. Notice it's used first as an adjective. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he is the blessed one. That's an adjective. Who has blessed us. There's the verb. With every spiritual blessing. That's the noun. Adjective, verb, and noun. All within one verse. And notice the Apostle Paul includes himself in that company who has blessed us, the Apostle Paul, along with the saints who are in Ephesus, have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And then, by extension, 
all those who have, a tr have by faith, trusted Jesus Christ alone for their salvation, including you and I. It is an inclusive blessing extending to all genuine believers down through the ages. And it is a comprehensive blessing, meaning that we get all of them. It's a package deal. This is not like a game of Uno where you deal out seven cards to each of the participants. Each participant gets the whole deck. Believers have been given access to every spiritual blessing, without exception. And notice it's every spiritual blessing. So the blessings are not necessarily material. Although there are some that preach that perversion of the gospel. The prosperity gospel is a false gospel. Every spiritual blessing is not a promise for health, wealth, and happiness. But it is a promise that you and I can learn to be content in whatever circumstances we find ourselves. The word spiritual is pointing to the supernatural source from which these spiritual blessings come. Take, for example, the spiritual blessings found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All this and much more. Spiritual blessings. And finally, notice they are in the heavenly places in Christ. The original reads, in the heavenlies. And again, this is emphasizing the supernatural origin of these blessings. We find this same Greek word sprinkled throughout this letter to the Ephesians. In chapter 1, verse 20, it's found again. Chapter 2, verse 6. Chapter 3, verse 10. And chapter 6, verse 12. And without exception, it's referring to a location. Now we just completed our study of the book of Ecclesiastes in which the preacher was doing assessment of life under the sun. Here in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is referencing life above the sun. This phrase at the end of verse 3 is, enforce, is reinforcing the supernatural, divine origin of these spiritual blessings. Ultimately, notice they are made accessible in Christ. Apart from him, we forfeit all of them. In him, we have access to every spiritual blessing. So we can summarize verse 3 in this way. The blessed one has blessed his people with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So bless the Lord, O my soul. 
and all that is within me. Bless the Lord. Why? Short answer is because the one we are blessing with all our souls has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let it be so. Now in verses 4 through 14, the Apostle Paul continues by identifying 10 spiritual blessings that have come from God the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ to all who are in Christ. And I do have to warn you, this becomes a little bit overwhelming. But let me encourage you to mark them in your Bibles or to write them down in the outline that was provided so that you can ponder them throughout this coming week. And then that you can return to them in the days and months ahead. Beloved, we live in a broken and sinful world, an F-U-L-L, sinful world. A world that is a continual threat to each and every one of us. A world that can suck the joy out of your life. But this list of spiritual blessings can come like a, like a breath of fresh air. It will preserve you so that you will be both heavenly minded and earthly good. Look again at verse 4. Just as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. Spiritual blessing number one. God chose you. He chose you. I remember at recess in grade school, central school actually, we'd often play baseball in the schoolyard. Teams would be determined by a couple of captains choosing members of their team. They would often be the biggest, most athletic students in the school. Those who wanted to play would line up along the chain link fence and they would begin to choose who they wanted on their team. I was an athletic guy, but I was small for my age. And so I was never first, but Lord, please don't let me be last. (laughs) God chose you to be on his team before the foundation of the world. The New Living Translation reads, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. Please notice that his choice was not based on anything you and I brought to the table. You see, what was true for Israel is also true for you and I. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7, we read, The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations, for you were the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you and he was keeping the oath 
he had sworn to your ancestors. The reason for God's choosing were completely within himself. Notice the phrases sprinkled throughout this passage of scripture. Verse 5, according to the kind intention of his will. Verse 7, according to the riches of his grace. Verse 8, according to the kind intention which he purposed in him. Verse 11, according to his purpose. Please note, you and I are never mentioned. Not once. God's sovereign choice was absolute, has absolutely nothing to do with you or I. There's another related phrase that you may want to underline. To the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. Verse 6, 12, and again at the end of verse 14. The Father's sovereign choice was made entirely within himself in keeping with his plans and purposes for his glory alone had nothing to do with us. It was completely in him, not in us. And there's a sobering implication here, folks. You and I would never choose him, never, if he had not first chosen us. Notice also we are chosen for a purpose, to be holy and blameless. In other words, to be sanctified. Now these concepts will be fleshed out in the chapters that follow, especially in chapters 4 through 6 of Ephesians. Chapter 4 begins, I implore you. The Apostle Paul is on his hands and knees and he's begging us. I implore you, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. We've been called or chosen to be holy and blameless. But the point here is that you have been chosen. Your chosen one. Verse 5. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. Spiritual blessing number two. God has adopted you. Predestined is synonymous with chosen. The motive for that predestination or choosing is in love. We all understand the process of adoption. Adoptive parents take the child of another and embrace them as one of their very own. It's an act of love. The Bible tells us that we are children of another. Actually, children of the devil. In John chapter 8, verse 44. Enemies of God. In Romans chapter 5, verse 10. But in love, he predestined us. He chose us for adoption. 
And John chapter 1 verse 12 reads, But as many as received him, that's Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And later in his first epistle, same author, John writes, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. From your father the devil to adopted as sons. And with that adoption comes all the privileges of sonship. He chose you. He adopted you. Notice verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Now this is not free grace, but it is grace freely given. The New Living Translation reads, the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Spiritual blessing number three, God poured out his grace on you. You're probably familiar with the acronym GRACE for grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Romans chapter 8 verse 32 puts it this way, he spared not his own son, but delivered him over for us, all, for us all. How will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? That is an act of glorious grace. There is nothing that you or I can do to earn it or deserve it. Because we are in Christ, he freely gives us all things, which includes every spiritual blessing. You are a recipient of God's grace, his undeserved favor, just because he chose you, he adopted you, and he poured out his grace on you. Notice the first part of verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. Spiritual blessing number four, God redeemed you. Back when Bill Gothard was the latest, greatest thing in evangelicalism, Cynthia and I attended his seminar in Detroit, Michigan, that would run every night for a week. We, um, this was even before we were married, but the churches in the Sarnia area would send, and it's about an hour drive, would send busloads down to these conferences. And we go back and forth every day, every night. I think it was to Cobo Hall or Joe Lewis Arena. One of those. Anyway, when you got there, it was packed to the rafters. Thousands of believers. For me, one of the highlights every year, one of my favorite moments was when we would stand and sing Redeemed. No instruments. 
just voices. The harmony was spectacular. You could not help but feel like you were standing on holy ground. And by the end of the song, I'd say there was hardly a dry eye in the place. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed by his infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. I get chills just thinking about it. And that was like 30 years ago. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 reads, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, or the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Or as one translation, to bring you safely home to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. He redeemed you. And Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 paints this picture. For he, that's God the Father, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And that leads us to the fifth spiritual blessing. God has forgiven you. Look again at verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. For all those times when we've stepped out of bounds, when we've crossed that proverbial line in the sand, when we've missed the mark, failed to live up to the standard that God requires for relationship with him, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Past, present, and future. The psalmist declared it. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. And Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 puts it this way. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us of all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. At Calvary, Jesus took your sin and my sin. We get his righteousness. It's a great exchange. He has forgiven you. Spiritual blessing number six. God has lavished his grace on you. Notice the end of verse seven. According to the riches of his grace, verse eight, which he lavished on us. Not only was it God's riches at Christ's expense, grace freely bestowed in verse 6. We are now told it has been lavished on us. That word translated lavished has the idea of overflowing with super abundance. 
Eugene Peterson's interpretive translation reads, he thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need. The superabundance of grace that God lavished on us is above and beyond all that we can imagine. He lavished his grace on you. And verse 8 continues, In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to, the, to an administration suitable to the fullness of the, of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. Beloved, left to ourselves, we are spiritually blind. We cannot figure this out on our own. I don't care how smart you are. God's ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. So spiritual blessing number seven, God opened your eyes to see spiritual reality. A mystery in the biblical sense of that word is referring to a truth that remains hidden until there is divine revelation. There has to be that disclosure. Unless God takes the initiative to disclose them, you and I will remain ignorant. God has not disclosed everything that we may may want to know, but he has disclosed, disclosed everything that we need to know. And some, to their own demise, choose to ignore, dismiss, or even try to hide or destroy the evidence. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 speaks of this dilemma. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive the truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to, to, to them. They can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 identifies a major obstacle. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. But there is one who is greater than the God of this world. And he opened your eyes to spiritual realities. Let me pick up the pace. Spiritual blessing number eight, God made you an heir. Look at verses 11 and 12. Also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. To the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. He made us heirs. Verse 13, in him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Spiritual blessing number nine, God sealed you. Remember back in our study of 
the gospel according to John. Jesus was preparing his closest ministry companions for his imminent departure. At one point in their interaction, actually in John chapter 14, he made this statement. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you, and will be in you. The Bible teaches that the Spirit of God comes and indwells every individual the moment they by faith begin trusting Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 puts it this way. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. So that we may know every spiritual blessing. He sealed you. And that sealing preserves your eternal salvation. Verse 14. Who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Spiritual blessing number 10. God has secured his promise to you. The Holy Spirit is God's down payment in your life, ensuring that you will receive all that he has promised. He has secured his promise to you. Now certainly there are all kinds of ways that we could have approached these 12 verses this morning. But I was very intentional in wanting to list all 10 of these spiritual blessings. In doing so, I was hoping to overwhelm you this morning. <laughs> that you would just be blown away. Some use a simple Trinitarian summary. God the Father chose you. God the Son redeemed you. And God the Holy Spirit sealed you. That's a great outline. And all the rest of the spiritual blessings then become implications of those. But I didn't think that would have the same impact as listing them out, all ten of them. You see, we live in a hostile world. A world that is only going to get increasingly hostile in the days ahead. All you have to do is look at the news and watch what's happening around us. There is a gathering storm. And I don't say that to, to fear. Like I'm not one going around saying, crying, the, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. We live in a hostile world. But it doesn't matter what that world calls you. Or how others might see you or even treat you. This passage presents the truth. 
The reality is, listen closely, God chose you. He adopted you. He poured out his grace on you, redeemed you, has forgiven you, lavished his grace on you, opened your eyes to spiritual realities, made you an heir, sealed you, and secured his promise to you. You need to start believing it. And then living like you believe that. And I know that that's easier said than done. But the good news is, the Apostle Paul is committed to helping us. Both in our believing and in our behaving. As we make our way through this letter to the Ephesians. Becoming both spiritually minded and earthly good. And it all begins with taking these ten really seriously, personally, and responding appropriately. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praising him. Praising him. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And verse 2 continues. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. And these are only ten. Father, may that be true for each one of us. May we never forget. Enable us to be both heavenly minded and earthly good. Thank you for this letter from the Apostle Paul to the saints at Ephesus. And specifically for this reminder of the spiritual blessings that you have made available to all who believe. And this has just been a sample. May they enhance our relationship with you. Shape our identity. And transform our behavior. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.